God could summarize you, what, what, what's the most prominent characteristic of your life, what would, that, what would be on that line? Now remember, God knows you through and through. He doesn't just know you like we, like we may know you. We know only what we see on the outside and what you tell us. But God knows right through you. What would God say about you? If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And I enjoy preaching, especially during the Christmas season. I enjoy preaching about the story of Christmas and Christmas itself, Jesus Christ. And we often really leave books like Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 for Christmas time, when in reality, this is one of the greatest stories of all time. could easily be preached year-round. When we think of the Christmas story, we naturally, hopefully as Christians, first person we should think of is who? Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. Jesus. Right, let's try that again. Who's the one person we should definitely think about during Christmas? All right, a little better. Jesus. Um, who would be maybe the next person you might think of that comes to your mind? There's Jesus. I'm thinking of the Christmas story. Might be some different answers. I heard it. Mary would be my, my next. Mary. Maybe not even people, but what's the next thing you might think about when you think of uh, the biblical Christmas story? The star, right? I think of the star as well. What else? Shepherds? Bethlehem? Manger? Wise men? I heard wise men as well. So there's different uh, things that come to our mind when we think of Christmas. There's one particular character who is a very prominent part of Christmas, but it's often not something we, a person we usually think about when we think of the Christmas story. Now, we do think about this person, but we don't think about this person for longer than a second or two because there's really not a lot spoken of about this person in the scriptures. Yet, we would all agree this person has a significant role in in the Christmas story and the life of Jesus Christ. And the person I'm speaking of this evening is Joseph. Joseph. And I heard some people say Joseph as well. Joseph is a very, well, that's what this message is about. It's about Joseph. The only time we usually think of Joseph when we're thinking of the Christmas story or when we're thinking of him in, in general is during that long, arduous journey you know, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That trip, as the birds fly, so as a, a straight shot, is approximately about 70 miles, 112, 113 kilometers distance. That's a long journey to take, you know, without cars, without highways. And I would imagine it would have been a longer journey than that because it wouldn't have been a straight shot. It would have been, you know, however the road would have taken them, winding. I don't know exactly what their weather was like, if that would have slowed them down. I don't know uh, how fast their transportation was at that point either. But we'd all agree it was a long journey. Not to mention, Mary was eight, nine months pregnant. That makes it a little bit difficult. Even uh, being eight, nine months pregnant, just driving in a vehicle that's relatively, I would imagine it's smoother than a, you know, a camel or a horse or a donkey. And I could imagine several days of a journey. The 13 New Testament or 12, 13 New Testament books written by the Apostle Paul make no reference to Joseph at all. 
And uh, the Gospel of Mark doesn't even reference Joseph. He's only mentioned in three books of the Bible, Matthew, Luke, and John. After the story of Jesus getting left in Jerusalem, do you remember that story? In Luke chapter 2, uh, they accidentally leave Jesus in Jerusalem, and they, where is he? What? And a couple days later, they find him in the temple. He's teaching, and he's uh, expounding the scriptures as if he has authority, is how they worded it. Of course, Jesus did have authority. Being only 12 years old, after that story right there, we'd never hear from Joseph again. So it's pretty safe to imagine somewhere between the ages of Jesus, somewhere between the age of 12 and Jesus' earthly ministry beginning, which was 30 years of age, somewhere in between there, Joseph perhaps passed away. Of course, we don't know any information on this. There's lots of speculation out there as to what actually happened to Joseph. It doesn't matter. We do know that when Jesus was on the cross, in John chapter 19, he, uh, I'll read it here, John 19, 26, when, therefore, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then he saith to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. It was at that moment Jesus was sort of saying, can you look out for my mom while I go about my father's business as he was on the cross? I imagine if Joseph was still alive, there would be no need to pass on that responsibility. So I think it's safe to say Joseph was no longer there. But during Joseph's time that we see here in the scriptures, I, I see here four notable characteristics of the life of Joseph. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. But before we get into the scriptures here, if you could... Uh, bow your heads and pray with me and give this service over to the Lord. Father, we thank you for today. And we thank you for the scriptures. And I thank you so much for the life of Joseph. There's really not much known about him, but what is known about him is very notable. And Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room here today would strive to be like Joseph. So Lord, thank you for this message. Please fill me with your spirit. And may you be the one speaking this evening, we pray in your name. Amen. Four notable characteristics of Joseph. First characteristic I'd like us to see here is Joseph's lineage. His lineage. I had you turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're not going to read this whole chapter here. But when we start out here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, let's look at Joseph's lineage. The Bible says in verse chapter, Matthew 1, 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar, and Phares begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and the list goes down. Look at verse 5. And Salmon begat Booz of Rechab, and Rechab begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. You go down the list. We're seeing the lineage of Joseph here. You go all the way down now to verse 15. No, sorry, verse 16. Bible says in verse 16, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into the Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Joseph's lineage is a, is a direct line from Joseph all the way up to King David, all the way up to Abraham. Direct descendants. Joseph's lineage is Jewish royalty. I mean, to be directly related to King David, to Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. That's pretty cool. I don't know about you, but a, a, your, your lineage, and not everybody is, really can narrow down and find out how, how, how far back your lineage goes, and maybe I'm related to someone famous. And uh, um, a lot of you know the story already. My, my mom's maiden name is Standish, and this is American history, so nobody in this room will even know who I'm talking about, really. But in American history, um, I know most of you are probably familiar with the Mayflower, how the Mayflower came over. Maybe you are an art, but it uh, came over in the early 1600s. And on board the Mayflower were the pilgrims. And the pilgrims helped start one of the very first colonies in America back in the early 1600s. Well, on the Mayflower, there was, I think there were four captains on the Mayflower. And captains had different, they had different responsibilities. And one of the captains, his name was Captain Miles Standish. And he was the captain of the arms. He was the guy who, uh, he had the weaponry. He had some soldiers on there with him. He was the guy that would protect them when they landed from, you know, from any, uh, any harm, any animals or dangers that may happen. Captain Miles Standish. And my, my grandpa, my gramps, he, uh, he did, uh, I don't know if he paid or whatever, but he was able to figure out his lineage. My ninth great-grandfather is Captain Miles Standish. He came over on the Mayflower. So he's not really that famous. There's not a whole lot written about him. All we know from his diary, he was a short redhead guy. So see some similarities here? Except for the redhead part. Uh, maybe in certain lighting, I was told my hair may look red. I think that's not true but short for, for sure. Uh, so I guess I'm just taking after my lineage, I suppose. You may not know who your lineage is, and that's not really the point of this, this notable characteristic of Joseph. But what is important here is that you and I, we're all royalty. We're all in a very important lineage, a, a line, if you will. Look with me to in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter number 3. And you might, you can keep your spot here in Matthew. I'm actually going to put my marker here in Matthew 1. But just quickly, we're going to look over at Luke chapter 3. This is another lineage that is spoken of. And some people argue this may be Mary's lineage. Some say it's definitely Joseph's lineage because there are some very close similarities, but there are some subtle differences, and that's not really the point. We're not going to argue which is which here today because my point here doesn't really matter. Because in Luke chapter 3, and uh, I think, let's see here, it starts in verse 23. It says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. We're in uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 23. As was supposed, uh, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Matat, 
which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, and the list goes all the way down. I'm not going to mispronounce names for you all night for you, but you go all the way down to verse 38. This is the line, this is the lineage here. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that in your, 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 your family tree, all the way down to Adam to which was the son of God. Now, I don't know about you, and if you come to our Sunday school class on Sundays, we talk about this frequently, that there's this whole concept of racism that's going on, right? Oh, don't be racist, you know, treat that race uh, the, the equally. And yes, you should, but here's the thing, we're all of the same race. We're, now, evolution, this is against evolution, but biblically speaking, we're all related somehow, way back. But we all go back to Noah, who eventually goes back to Adam, who eventually goes back to God, our Father. We all have royalty in our lineage. We're all royalty in the sight of God. Especially tonight, if you are a child of God, if you, you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of the King of God. We share a similar royalty, a lineage that Joseph here has. Now, it may not be as direct as Joseph's. Ours probably goes around and around before we finally get to Noah. Not quite as direct, perhaps. But we are royalty. Psalm chapter 100, verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are gods. The lineage, Joseph's lineage. And I just thought I'd throw that one in there because it's a great reminder to us that we are a child of God. Or if we're not saved tonight, we haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior, you can be a child of the King. But lineage speaking, God has created humanity for a purpose and for a reason. And Joseph's reason is very well known. In the scriptures. So we have Joseph's lineage, first notable characteristic. Second notable characteristic, Joseph's loyalty. His loyalty. If you can turn with me back to Matthew chapter 1, this is really the first time that we ever see Joseph's name being mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. So the chapter starts out with this big lineage that Matthew gives. Now we come to verse 18. Joseph's loyalty. Verse 18. Matthew 1, 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Joseph's loyalty. In these, these two verses here, we see Joseph's loyalty is balanced to two specific people. The first, we see Joseph's loyalty is bound to God. Joseph's loyalty to God. 
This is the first thing that's said about Joseph. The first thing. It says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, first thing that's said about him is what? Being a, what is it? A just man. First thing. Not being a young man, or being a strong man, or being a man of a godly, you know, heritage. It says that Joseph was a just man. This word just is also used in other scriptures to mean the word, to say the word righteous as well. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 13, the Bible says, But go ye and learn what meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not, call, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That word righteous is the same word. You could, you could almost say, for I am not come to call the just, but sinners to repentance. The word is used the same. Just. Joseph was a just. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. Someone that didn't just know the law, but lived it. He didn't just understand God's precepts, but he was somebody that wanted to actually know God and, and be like God. He was a godly person. And I could just stop right here and say, it's one thing to know the Bible, but it's another thing to obey the Bible, to, to do what the Bible says. This is the problem with a lot of Christians is we come to church and we know God's word, especially some of us that grew up in church our whole life. You've been going to Sunday school. You know all the stories in the Bible. You know all about this and that. You've heard these stories multiple times over. You know God's word. But do you know God's word? We know them here, but do we obey? Do we, do we do? It's one thing for our parents to look at our kids and say, I need you to do this. Okay, hey, look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Okay? Repeat after me. I will do this. I will do this. Okay. And then they don't do it. <laughs> they know what to do. But what's the good? What's, what does it matter if you know and you don't do what you know? Joseph wasn't this kind of person. He was righteous. He knew God's word, and I'm going to show you that in just a second. You know, if God could say one thing about you, one thing, what's the first thing that God would say about you? I mean, imagine if this verse was you. Was you. If it said, you put your name here, then Tim, her husband, being a what? What would God say about my life? If God could summarize you, what, what, what's the most prominent characteristic of your life? What would, that, what would be on that line? Now remember, God knows you through and through. He doesn't just know you like we, like we may know you. We know only what we see on the outside and what you tell us. But God knows right through you. What would God say about you? Joseph, her husband, being a just man. I found this interesting. Outside of God and Jesus and, and God the Father, outside of those three, there's only ten men, ten men in the Bible, or I should say, not just men, but ten people in the Bible that were specifically called just or righteous. There were exactly ten. Only ten in the, all, all the scriptures where it specifically says they were a just or they were a righteous person. 
Now, there, there are more than ten, but these are the ten that were specifically said. The first is Noah. In Genesis 6, 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Wow. The second, uh, sort of in chronological order, is Lot, surprisingly. <laughs> Lot, of all people. And if you don't know who Lot is, look, at, look up Lot later. It's a lot. It's actually not a lot. It's very little. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, Peter mentions, he says, For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He, was a, he had a righteous soul. He was a righteous person. That's a different sermon for another time. Joseph of Arimathea. In Luke chapter 23, it says, And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just man. Abel, in the Bible, going back to Abel now, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. How about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of a good report among all the nations of the Jews. Wow, Cornelius. This one won't surprise you. But how about John the Baptist? Mark chapter 6. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy. Zacharias and Elizabeth. We're going to look at them in just a second. Zacharias and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abi, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And the last one here is Simon, who comes a chapter later in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at him in a second too. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was uh, Simeon, actually, and the same man was just and devout. So, there's ten people in the Bible that were specifically called just, and Joseph is one of them. Wouldn't you like to be on that list? That list of top ten. Uh, they weren't top ten. I don't know if God has a hierarchy like that, but ten people in the scriptures that were called just. And Joseph is on this list. You see, Joseph's loyalty to God is seen in the way that, secondly, his loyalty was to Mary. He wasn't just loyal to God, but he was loyal to Mary. Now, back in Matthew chapter 1, if you look in verse number 19, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, I'm not going to go into heavy detail here, but to summarize what's taking place, Joseph and Mary are engaged, and Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Well, this is, this is a problem because Joseph knows it's not his kid. <laughs> he knows that. And no doubt, now Mary, Mary had already been seen by the angel, so Mary understands this. So Mary, no doubt, tries to explain this to Joseph, and Joseph just 
you know, he's a righteous man, but this is hard. That's a hard one to swallow. Okay, hold on. You're telling me that an angel came to you and said that you're pregnant. Like, of a virgin, you're pregnant, and it, not only are you pregnant, but in the Messiah, <laughs> the woman waiting for? Like, I, I want to believe you, and I, and I do believe you, but what do I do? And according to Joseph being a just man, he knows the scriptures, he knows the laws, he knows his options, but he also knows how much he loves Mary. So he was torn. Because according to the scriptures, adultery or anybody, anything that would take place like that, according to Leviticus 20, the punishment for such a thing is death. Is death. Also, the law of Moses gave the husband the power of divorce. They weren't married yet. But Joseph, knowing, no doubt, the, uh, in Deuteronomy 24, he knew that it was customary in a bill of divorce to specify the cause for which the divorce was to be made. And witnesses needed to be present to testify of such divorce. But it would seem in this case they weren't quite married yet. Joseph didn't want to make her a public example, didn't want all the witnesses and people around, was trying to figure out a way to do this quietly. She didn't want any harm. He didn't want any harm to come to her. He loved her much, and he just couldn't quite understand exactly what was happening. Knowing the scriptures, but also knowing how much he loved her, did all that he could to make sure she stayed protected and safe. Joseph was very loyal to Mary. He loved her. Loyalty is something that's hard to come by. Somebody who's really loyal to you. And I suppose it's the dream of every person someday to find that, that one person in their life, you know, the, their spouse, where loyalty will be at its finest, its greatest, and they could live and they could grow up old together and they're going to go through the hard times, but they're never going to lose that loyalty for each other. And I can't imagine what it must be like to be the Lord up in heaven, just looking, looking for just one loyal Christian, someone who is not in the world, as James says, adulterating with the world, someone who's not living in the world, somebody who's just keeping themselves pure and holy unto God. God is looking for the pure of heart, the Christian that will be the loyal to him. Are you loyal to God today? Have you been inconsistent with him? Have you been messing around with the world? Loyalty, Joseph was that, to both to God and to Mary. But third, the third characteristic I'd like you to see here is that not only was Joseph, uh, had a great lineage, not only was Joseph loyal, but Joseph also he listened. Look in verse 20. The Bible says, but while he thought on these things, did you, did you see that? But while he thought on these things. I've been told men don't think too much. I don't know. Do you think that's true, Pastor? Men don't think enough? You don't have to answer. You can think about it? Okay, that's good. He's going to think about that thought. While he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. 
So it's at this moment that the angel comes to Joseph and helps him understand and signify, hey, look, you love Mary. I know there's a little part in the back of your head that's saying she might be crazy. But let me just, let me, let me solidify and say she's not. She's everything you dreamt her to be. She's telling the truth. You could be at ease. Joseph, I need you to do me a favor. And the angel comes to Joseph and explains who, and it reiterates who this is and what's going to happen. And it came just in time. And I heard a pastor say this once about this verse, verse 20. He says, but while he thought on these things, he said a lot of people don't think. They just act first and think later. We've all, we've all made those mistakes. We've all just acted. He said, imagine if Joseph just had, had didn't take the time to think, and he'd acted. And those few moments that he would have missed, the angel of the Lord may have missed him. The angel of the Lord. Now, obviously, God had it all orchestrated, and that couldn't have happened. God had it exactly the way it needed to be. But imagine if Joseph didn't sit down and just think about this huge decision he had before him. What to do with Mary? What to do with the Lord? What should I do? I mean, do I obey the scriptures and, and, and take her? And, and it, What do I do? But he had a big decision to make, and instead he, he thought about it first. Joseph listened. He listened to himself. Now, when I say he listened to himself, I'm not talking about the way the world speaks of listening to yourself. Uh, teens are tired of me talking like this because I always say this. I always say, you know, the world tells us to follow our hearts, to listen to your hearts, to follow your heart, listen to your heart. That's not what I'm talking about. Joseph was about to make a big decision for himself and Mary. So instead of rushing into a decision, even if biblically the answer was right there, it was logical, he, he knew what he, could, what he could do. He knew Mary was innocent. And Joseph was not yet satisfied. He wanted to think about it first. How many of us have made a rash decision? We, haven't, we didn't think it through. We just did something, and it came back to hit us in the end. I know we all have. Uh, I made a very common mistake in Bible college that many of us have made before, I'm sure. Many of us may be making it now. I don't know. And it's one of those things where you get counsel, and they tell you, you shouldn't do this, but somehow when you're young and you're strong and you're healthy, you think, look, what you're telling me doesn't apply to me. I, I got this. When I was, uh, it was my second year in Bible college, I had fallen behind financially. And I didn't really want my parents to worry too much because I made an agreement with my dad. Dad, uh, my dad didn't have any, much money. So he said, you can go to college, Tim, but you're going to have to work. You're going to have to pay for most of it. He said, no, I'm here for you. He said, but I'm only here for you in emergencies because we don't, we don't have a lot either. I said, no problem. I got it, Dad. So sophomore year came around. Well, finances weren't great. I had a full-time job. I worked full-time at fast food at Wendy's. Wendy's doesn't pay very much. It's minimum wage. And, and, and you guys know how taxing works. You don't really make any money after your, after your check comes in, right? Here's your check. It rips it in half and gives you a little sliver of it. And say, here you go. And I, I had to pay my college bill with this. And I had to, you know, gas and insurance. I don't need to explain life to you. You understand. So I needed more money. So instead of, so I took matters into my own hands. And I said, okay, I need more money. So I need another job. 
obviously, that's how you get money. I'm not going to rob a bank, so I need, I need another job. Well, at college, they have an opportunity for you to work at college, you know, work study, they call it. Uh, Danielle knows about this. And I, so there's all these uh, lists, and actually, Miss Lydia, she worked uh, for this as well. So you can, at, and I say this, I'm speaking about because they went to the same college I did. That's why they, they know what I'm talking about. So at this college, there is, and they usually give first priority to people who are financially hurting. And they knew me well. I was up in the offices frequently telling them, I'm telling you, I'm going to get the money. It's coming. I felt like it was a bank loan, like a, you know, like a mob boss or something. I'm, I'm, the money's coming. I'm telling you. I'll figure out a way. So when I applied for work study, I, I got the job because I knew I needed the money. And I got the job, and I didn't, wasn't expecting this, but they were giving me 20 hours a week. So great. 20 hours is great. You know. I work 40 hours. I'm going to school full time. So I, I'm taking seven classes, and then I've got 40 hours, and then I got to squeeze 20 more hours in a week. 60 hours, that's, that's easy. You know, I had some friends that were doing the same thing. So I, I went up to them, and I was like, hey, you guys are working a lot. You know, how is it? How, how are you? Yeah. <gasps> how am I? <laughs> Let me tell you how I am. You know, the eyes are red. They haven't met anybody. They, they don't know any of their roommates or anything. How, how, how do you find it? Oh, yeah, it's fine, man. It's fine as long as you don't care about social life, as long as you don't care about eating and sleeping properly, you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah, it's fine. And I thought, well, I'm a year younger than you, so I'll be fine. So I didn't, tell, I didn't ask my parents because I knew what they would say. So I, I did tell my dad I got another job, but this is how I ordered it. Hey, dad, I got another job, a couple extra hours a week. It'll help with the, with the bills. Oh, if you say help with the bills to your parents, that's, that's all they need to hear. Yeah, great, son. Go get them. Thanks, dad. So this is my schedule. I would wake up at 6. I would go to class at 7.30. I would work, uh, my last class ended at 1.15. My, my uh, second job started at 1.30. So I had 15 minutes to get lunch, to change, and to clock in. So from 1.30 to 5.30, I worked that job. 5.30, I had 30 minutes to get to Wendy's. Wendy's starts at 6. So I had 30 minutes to clock out, run through the line, grab my dinner, eat my dinner as I'm changing, and as I get in the car, and I'm usually always like five minutes late for work. But I, I explained my situation. They didn't care. I'd rush in, and six hour is rush hour at fast food. Those of you that work fast food, you know what I'm talking about. So it's just boom, 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 and my shift ends at 1 o'clock in the morning. So at 1 o'clock, I clock out, we, or I don't clock out, we clean. I'm usually in bed by like 2, 2.30, and then I wake up at 6, and I do it all over again. I did that Monday through Friday, and on Saturdays, I work, and it, I'm not going to bore you. Some of you know, some of you right now have really hard schedules. Some of you parents, you work in multiple jobs, so what I'm saying is nothing new to you. But for a 20-year-old, uh, after about four months of this, you could probably imagine what happened to me. I broke. Mentally, I broke. Um, you can't live off three hours of sleep. And to make matters worse, I had a good friend of mine. Some of you know Matt Hodge. He interned with me. And um, he, uh, he, had a, he, he had a ride. It was spring break, and he was trying to get to the airport. And our, our college was about... 70 miles from the airport, from LA, from LAX, the airport. And I was one of the few guys on campus that had a vehicle. And he was like, hey, my ride dropped out. Tim, can you take me to the airport? I was like, sure. Yeah, yeah you're a good friend. I could take you. 
Now, it was finals week, midterm week, and I hadn't slept really in several days. I was very tired. But, you know, in the moment, he's my friend. A chance to drive to L.A. sounds fun. So I get in the car, and I've told you the story before. You know, I drive all the way to the airport. Everything's fine. I drive all the way back. I've been in the car for about four hours now. And I'd just gotten off the highway, and I was headed down uh, Avenue M, and all of a sudden, I woke up. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I woke up when I did, but it still wasn't in time. I was driving, and all of a sudden, I don't know how long I was gone. And when I woke up, I was going at about, uh, let's see here, miles. It was 60 miles an hour. So what is that in kilometers? It's a lot. It's going very fast, and I woke up. At a, at, to a red stoplight right in front of me. And there was several cars right in front and I slammed on my brakes, but it wasn't enough. And I plow into this BMW who hits another car, who hits another car, who hits another car. It was on the news. I started a six car pileup in this big intersection. And uh, I realized in that moment that I shouldn't have taken on that second job. A decision, it seems like a small decision way back here, but I didn't really think about it. I just thought, I'm young, I'm strong, I could handle it. I need the money. God knows I need the money. God gave me the job, so it must be God's will. And now fast forward four months later, I, I, did, I, 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 didn't, I, I wasn't strong enough. <laughs> I didn't make the right decision. I say all that because... Joseph, he had a really big decision to make, and for young people here today, it's very, very important that you think things through. And in my life, I didn't really think it was a big decision to work a couple extra hours, but also what took place that year was you ha I had a scholarship because my parents were in the ministry, and all you have to do is maintain a 2.5 GPA. 2.5, that's like a C, I don't know, it's like a C average. That's all you need to do to maintain it. And in my sophomore year, I dropped below a 2.5 because I didn't have time for anything. I dropped below my grades and I lost my scholarship. So guess what? I worked extra to get more money, but in the long run, the money I lost from the scholarship was more twice as much as the money I was using to work, to earn for college. I'm so confused right now, I can't even say it properly. And I realized in that moment, I really didn't pray much about this job. I didn't ask my parents. I tricked my parents. Didn't ask proper counsel. I just did it myself. And a challenge for young people, and adults of course as well, but just to think things through, to get counsel when big decisions are coming and to be made. And Joseph, he took some time to think about it, and it was during this time thinking, and Joseph being a righteous man, I imagine part of his thinking was also praying, was also saying, Lord, ah, what, what's going on, Lord? What, what do I do? And God showed him. Because we also see that Joseph listened to God. He didn't just listen to himself. But there was, we don't have time to go through them. There was three different occasions that God came to Joseph and specifically showed him Joseph's will. There was three times. The first one here is in verse 20. 
Joseph, uh, an angel comes to him in a dream and tells him, Don't be afraid. Take unto thee Mary thy wife, for thou, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Wow. God helps Joseph listen to God concerning, right here, his future. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, just the next chapter over, Joseph listens to God concerning his safety. It says, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. So just speeding things along here, the second time God comes to Joseph is specifically to tell him, Look, you need to get this baby, and you need to get out of here. Because Herod is trying to kill the child. Flee to Egypt. Joseph listens to God concerning his safety. And later on down the chapter, we see the third time God comes to Joseph in verses 19. Verse 19, it says, And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And you read the chapter, what God tells Joseph, okay, it's okay to come back now. So Joseph listens to God concerning his future, concerning their safety, but also concerning their livelihood as well. Joseph was a righteous man, and he listened to God. And when you're righteous, God actually speaks to you. And Joseph learned that. And Joseph was there. Joseph listened. But the last thing we us look at real quick is Joseph's legacy. Joseph's legacy. The fourth characteristic of Joseph is not just that he listened, not just that he was loyal or that he had a great lineage, but... Joseph's legacy. I didn't realize this, but there's only one story in the Bible, only one time in the Bible that actually references Joseph being a carpenter. See, Joseph's legacy really falls down to two categories. The first is that he was a carpenter. But it's only really men it's mentioned in two passages, but it's, uh, there, one is in Mark and one is in Matthew, and they're both in reference to the same story. So there's only one instance where somebody says, hey, isn't that Jesus, the son of the carpenter? That's the only time the word carpenter is used. Joseph was known as a carpenter, but the only Bible only mentions it the one time. But instead, as a Christian, what do we know? What is Joseph's true legacy? Was it that he was a carpenter? It was that he was the father, the earthly father of the Messiah. That was his legacy. We as Christians who know the story, who believe the Bible, we know Joseph's legacy. We know that it was he was the father of the Messiah. Joseph was given the task of fathering the Messiah. I'm not even going to begin to imagine what that was like. Because I can only imagine, I only know what it's like to father my own children. But that was the legacy that was given to him. The word legacy simply means something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. God was giving Joseph something for him to care for, to preserve. What has God given you to care for and preserve? What is something that God has given you? What will be, what is your legacy? Now as a teen, you may not, you can't think too far ahead. 
But what are some things that God has given you to preserve and to take care of? What kind of talents has God given you? What about what kind of money has God given you? Or if you're a parent, what, what kids has God given you? And as a Christian, God has given us the gospel to preserve and to spread. If there's anything a Christian's legacy should be, it's the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ to tell people about the world. Joseph was the father of Jesus, yes, but we too have the responsibility, the legacy, to pass on the story of Jesus. To let people know, especially this time of year, what, what greater time of year to promote the legacy of Jesus than this time of year. The time where we're supposed to be promoting Christmas. Even the term Merry Christmas is getting less and less. What's the term they use now? Happy Holidays, right? No, no, no. It's Merry Christmas. Or I, I dislike it, especially when they say, Merry Xmas. Don't take out Christ and Christmas. If anything, say Christ X, maybe, but even don't do that. Merry Christmas. Now I realize there's different things behind that. But understand this. In conclusion, remember your lineage belongs to God. Remember that God... Remember the question, does God see you as a righteous or a just person like he did for Joseph? Remember to listen to God and to think things through like Joseph. And remember, don't forget to take care of and preserve the legacy that God has given you. If you don't know what that is yet, know this. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been given to us to carry on and to pass on to generations to come. Our goal in life is to be like Christ. But if there is a physical human person that we could look to, someone like Joseph who lived for God, who listened, is someone that you and I can learn a lot from today. Are we like Joseph? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.